This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. Hello, I'm Matt Shawley and this is Politics Without the Boring Bits, bringing you some of the best stuff that you might have missed from earlier in the year. Today we're going all the way back to January as we examined which jobs the public thinks are harder and easier than being a politician. I caught up with Gary Lineker to ask him what was harder, being Prime Minister or a professional footballer. How hard is it really to be Prime Minister? How does it compare to the job that you do? If you are the Prime Minister, you get £164,080 a year, five times the average salary for a full-time worker in the UK. So, being Prime Minister pays more than most jobs. But how difficult is it? We asked YouGov to carry out a poll for us, to ask people which jobs are easier or harder than running the country. Beth Mann from YouGov has been crunching the numbers. Yeah, so we asked about a range of jobs, 24, and we found that only four had 50% or more saying they were harder. So in general, we can see that people do recognise the Prime Minister is a pretty hard job. And so the top one was a surgeon. Around six in ten thought that was harder. And then it went nurse, firefighter and soldier, which all had around 50% saying so. I think what immediately strikes you is that these are the life or death careers like the, the stakes are high when you're doing those jobs are very high yeah, i yeah. mean prime minister stakes are high then as well but these yeah. ones very much so too uh, and what about at the other end of the scale which ones are the easiest yes so we've got footballer coming out the bottom around eight and ten saying that easier and then well you've got the likes of me and you him <laughs> you've got the office worker and the journalist where around 75 percent say that's easier unbelievable being a journalist is very difficult well most pe- more people think that being a surgeon is harder than being a prime minister more than any other job. So we're hearing six out of ten people think that being a surgeon is harder. So I spoke to one of the country's best surgeons, heart surgeon, called Vinda Lal. I'm a heart surgeon, uh, and I worked at Bart's for about twenty years as a as a consultant cardiac surgeon. Uh, and I would say that um, you you know as as the more senior you get, the easier it does uh, become. So uh, initially, when you start off, it, it is quite a difficult job. But, uh, you know, once you get the experience and uh, do a couple of thousand cases, then things become a bit easier. Is part, do you think that part of the, the reason people think it's hard, is it, is it hard to become a surgeon as much as they're doing the job afterwards? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, when you become a heart surgeon and a consultant, you, you often operate within your own envelope of comfort. So, you know, uh, and most of the cardiac operations, you know, we do within that comfort zone. Uh, I think when you know to train to be a cardiac surgeon, especially, you know, it takes uh, five years of medical school, then about ten to twelve years in training, in which you're sort of sent all over the world. 
and uh, work in different units around the country. And then, you know, once you become a consultant, that's when you start really becoming comfortable at what you do. What does a, a hard day as a surgeon look like? What what sort what, what what's your day look like if you go home and uh somebody says, Oh, how was your day? You say, oh, I've had a really hard day. What what what's happened in that day that if you if you had a, a tough yeah, day? So I, I, I can uh, tell you, for example, yesterday uh I went in at the bath, we we do a seven thirty AM brief. So I leave the house about quarter past six in the morning. Um and then uh once the brief is done, that's when we decide what we're doing during the day. I went off to do an MDT, which is a multidisciplinary team meeting, from about 8 to about 8.30. Then we start operating, uh, and my first case was a quadruple bypass. Uh, that was done by about 12 o'clock. Had a couple of meetings during lunchtime. Second case was a double valve replacement. Uh, that finished about 5.30. About to go home. Uh, then I was on call last night. Got a type A aortic dissection that came in, and that finished at 2 in the morning. So actually, when I got home, everyone was asleep, so I didn't have a chance to say hello to anyone. So, uh, so uh, yeah, that that that's a sort of I wouldn't say typical day. That's a busy day, but that that's normally what we get up to. And I suppose part of the reason why people might be saying they think that being a surgeon is hard is because the stakes are so high. You know, if I if I make a mistake as a journalist, well, I suppose the worst thing that could happen is that we get sued and the company might lose some money as a result. If you make a mistake, somebody could die, you know, in front of you. Do you do you think about that every time you're doing it, or is that now sort of just baked into what you're what you're doing day to day? Yeah, no, you, you're certainly correct. I mean, there's no margin of error. It's very black and white. Either, either they do really well, which fortunately ninety nine percent of them do, but the the one percent, if you you know, if there is an error or you know, if the patients aren't that well, then they do die. But you know, you, you 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 kind of develop a really thick exterior skin, you know, and uh, because I, 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 I mean, I teach all the, my trainees this, that, you know, if you become very emotional during an operation, you, you're not going to give your, your patient the best. So you have to become almost quite cold and quite clinical when you're in that situation. Then you can think clearly, lead the team and, and make sure that patient has a good outcome. I suppose um, finally to ask you if you'd swap what you do to be prime minister, do you think your job is harder than being prime minister? <laughs> You know, to be fair, I think Rishi was uh, put in a terrible position, so I've got a lot of sympathy for him. But, you know, it's, <laughs> what can I say? I, I, I think I will struggle to do his job, and he'd probably struggle to do mine. <laughs> <laughs> if he came, I tell you what, if he came to you and said, how can I sort out the NHS, given that you're right at the front line of yeah. all that right now, what, what, what needs to happen in the NHS? Resource. It's just money. You know, purely and simply. If you look at... You know, austerity, you know, the NHS to cope with austerity, but it's really degraded bed services and so forth. And, you know, it's got to go back to almost when Blair was throwing money at the NHS to get back to uh, where we are. And that that's all it is, pure and simple. Do you think Gavin Inneker's uh, told me, well, if we've been set, but he, he seems to think that, that politicians should be paid more. If we pay politicians more, we'd get the brightest and best. I don't, I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's certainly true. If you look at uh, industry, uh, private industry, you know, uh, they, they pay top dollar and get the top executives and, uh, and things. And I think that's certainly the case. That if you want really good quality MPs and people who don't have second jobs, then you should probably improve their pay. I know that's a bit controversial, but, you know, I think that way you'll get the best people doing the job rather than people almost do, treating it like a second job. And without um, going through your your pay slip, I mean, a, a, the prime minister gets what about one hundred and sixty thousand. What would a, what would a heart surgeon get? Uh, probably about as a rough ballpark. So, so all all uh, consultants in the NHS are basically paid the same. We're all the same. Thank you. Yeah. So it's about hundred k. See, that does seem like 
yeah, if you you literally got people's hearts in your hands, that seems like uh, maybe 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 that you that should be a bit more. Uh, COVID, it's really good to speak to you. I'm sure you've got another busy day ahead. Really appreciate your time today. On time pleasure. Ready. Nice to speak to you. That's uh, so Govinda Lau's one of the country's leading heart surgeons explaining. I mean, it's quite hard, isn't it, being a heart surgeon? No wonder people think it's harder than being prime minister. So after surgeon in the polling comes nurse. Lots of people think that being a nurse is harder than being a uh, prime minister. And then firefighter. So Josephine Reynolds is hailed as Britain's first female firefighter ever. And she agrees it's pretty tough. It's very hard. Because there's so many things that you don't, the public don't really know about. You have to do a million different things. You have to be like a very soft person if you're rescuing a kitten. And then on the other hand, you've got to be as hard as anything, as really tough if you're running into a building that's on fire. So, and everything in the middle and the skills you need, the training that's involved. Uh, there are, you know, there's a, I read something earlier that the only prime minister to work as hard as a firefighter, in my opinion, would be like Winston Churchill. He gave a blood, sweat, tears and toll speech. And that is firefighting. And firefighting is this, the road to victory in firefighting. Yeah, in spite of all terror, victory, however long and hard the road may be. So that is firefighting in essence. And everything firefighters do, once they start, they're committed to the project. Look at global warming. Look at the, the you know, it's a nightmare out there. And it's always the firefighters, first responders that get called on first to, you know, when we're stuck, we always call on the firefighter. Yeah. And then there's a million other things that go on as well. <laughs> what what drew you to it, particularly as Hell is yeah. the first female firefighter, you know, previously a very blokey job with yeah. lots of risks. Uh, my yeah. guess is that when you first started out as well, you know, we've been lucky. I think the number of people dying fires these days has gone down because people yeah. stress and all that sort of stuff. But when you were starting out, it was an incredibly blokey, dangerous thing to do. What what drew you to it? I just desperately needed a job. I was 17. It was Thatcher years. I was just stuck. What am I going to I wanted to have my own flat, my own house, my own door key. Be totally, I'm a very independent person. I hate being anyone telling you what to do. So like, what can I do to get away from my family? Yeah, so I thought, right. And I looked at any job and they just happened to have, you know, the advert in the Eastern Evening News and it was junior firefighters and I hadn't got a clue what it was. I thought I'll apply and just see what happens. And that's what happened. So then 15 months later, they turned out a firefighter and then, you know, on it went from there. Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. And, and so tell me about a tough day as a firefighter yeah. that you a tough, sort of a, a typical yeah. tough day that you remember. A tough day will be when you get you get up and then you're on the watch and you go out to an accident, for example, and you might be there and it's, you know, they're very serious things. You've got massive lorries crushing a mini with a mum in or something like that and you might be having a little girl on the side of the road and you're trying to, trying to make sure that people are calm, they feel safe and that you know, that they know that they're you're there for them really and that's... And the thing is, you never know from one minute to the next what will happen next. So you're doing that and then you'll get called out to a different thing, which could be a chemical fire or it could be a lady back at the station with a ring on her finger that's stuck or animal rescues or suicides in the woods. So, but yeah, so it's very much the hard ones are very much the ones where you're connecting with people who are struggling and, you know, all you want to do is to get them safe and sound and, you know, out of that instant area. Yeah, 
Yeah. You mentioned getting cats out of trees. How much time does the firefighters spend getting cats out of trees? There's an amount, there's no amount, but there's every kind of animal you can believe. I rescued a monkey at Thetford. We had a this zoo, honestly, and the, they'd got tropical zoo. I can't remember what it's called now, but in the day, the monkeys got out over the A11 and they're up in the fir trees in the in town and no one can do anything with them and in the end they called the fire brigade and we caught them on the church roof put the ladder up my boss is like joe you're a female you thought it out and up i went and anyway we fed this monkey loads of like grapes and whatever they said us to give her and then the next day they like called it after me in the paper they, you know <laughs> they called it josephine <laughs> so you never know but it goes from that and a lot of it's quite serious because if the animals are stuck, if they're cows and things are upside down, or you know, you've got to act really thought, really thoughtfully and try and you know get and rescued as fast as you can. Yeah, animals are really hard because you can't like talk to them like you can a human. Say, don't worry, we're here. You can like emphasise and hope they realise what you're up to, but you know it's not necessarily the case. But there is a small amount of that, but it's big, yeah, yeah important. Uh, and finally, <laughs> then, would you swap? Uh, being a firefighter for being prime minister. Do you think that being a firefighter is harder or easier than being prime minister? Would you like the top job? I think firefighting is always much harder. You know, you've got risks that people know about, high cancer risks now. There's so many things that people don't realise that goes into a firefighter's day. And in my opinion, it's a much more difficult but much more rewarding job than any prime minister would ever be, in my my humble opinion. (laughs) So you, you wouldn't like the top job? You wouldn't like to be prime minister? Well, I don't know, actually. If I had the energy, I'd love it. Uh, that was Josephine. Held as Britain's first female firefighter. Well, those are the jobs the public think are harder than being PM. And at the very bottom of the list, the job the public think is much easier than being Prime Minister. 80% think it's easier. Professional footballer. So naturally, we spoke to one of the most famous former, former England internationals, now host of Match of the Day, to fact-check it. We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Gavilinaker, is it easy being a professional footballer? Um, no, obviously not. I think I think people have got slightly confused with the job they're perhaps most like to do rather than what is the most what is the easiest. Um, I can understand why they're confused, but the truth is, I suppose compared with any other um, profession in the country, most children, um, probably more than any other job, would like to be footballers. Therefore, the fact that it's so difficult to get to the top in the first place um, suggests that it's certainly not easy. Um, it's also, I think, important to mention that football is completely uh, meritocratic. Um, you know, you, there's, there's no paternal help. There's not a question of who you know rather than what you know. 
Um, so it's it's and it's unbelievably competitive. Thousands and thousands of kids are at football club academies, and only a tiny, tiny percentage make it to the top. So that suggests to me it's actually probably one of the most difficult jobs in the world. Certainly not the easiest. Maybe they're getting a little bit thinking about the salaries, which is always something that's aimed at football. Doesn't seem to apply to other sports, um, um, but maybe because you know most footballers are working class lads. I don't know. Um, but I, I, yeah, I would argue um, football's case is is certainly um, not easy by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know. What's, when did you first think you wanted to be a professional footballer? How was it that when you finally got there? Well, it's a slow process. I, I mean, I think I thought about being a footballer be, be just about the time I started to walk, I'd imagine. But um, as soon as I kicked the ball around, so. It was always part of my life. That old cricket, to be honest, I, you know, I didn't know. I actually thought I had more chance at cricket than footballers, um, <laughs> um, because cricket's easier than football. There's another one for it. Um, so, um, but um, in the end, football's opportunity came along first, um, and it, it's it's magical. I still doubted myself whether I'd actually, you know, make it to the very top. But um, you know, whatever level I got to, I, I, I managed to still score a few goals. So. Um, you know, for me, I would say it's, it's the easiest job in work because that's the job that I was given the gift of of being able to do. Um, but it's still hard. You know, the, you, you train every day. I know it's not the hours of, of other jobs, but you have to train really hard. These are very young men. They have to give up a lifestyle in many ways that most teenagers and, and, and young men in their 20s, they, you know, you can't go out partying all the time. Some, some do, but they usually... They they usually pay for it in their career, um, so it's it's actually you know it's not it's not the wonderfully magnificent life it appears. If you get to the very top, obviously the rewards are astronomical, and and that makes a big difference. But it wasn't like that in my day. It was a kind of gradual process, and um, in the end, I earned um, I'm, I'm decent money. But it's obviously nothing compared um, to what it is now. And in terms, of, I was just looking down through this list of the other jobs they looked at: surgeon, nurse, oh. firefighter, soldier, cleaner, chef, waiter. Yeah, Jur- journalist. People think being a journalist is quite easy as well. What would you have done if it wasn't footballer? Probably journalism. Um, I was really? always yeah. I was. Um, I used to m- write my match reports um, when I used to go and watch Leicester at Filbert Street growing up. Um, so I always thought, and I was always interested in the media. And obviously, that's where I am in the end. Anyways, kind of journalist yeah. in in some form, broadcaster. So yeah, I think I would have probably tried to do. Um, because I certainly didn't want to work with my dad on the market. <laughs> Way too hard work. So I think I would have wanted to be a sports journalist. Um, whether I'd have managed to or not, I don't know. But I, but the fact that I played and scored a few goals for England certainly helped me get back into journalism after my, after my football career. And what about uh, Prime Minister then? Because so, so this, this poll, 8 out of 10 thing, being a yeah. footballer is easier than being Prime Minister. What do, you, do you think it looks easy being Prime Minister by comparison? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, again, I think I would certainly say being a footballer is preferable to being prime minister. <laughs> um, uh, the, there's a distinct difference between what's easier, though. Um, I mean, yes, being a prime minister is, is an incredibly difficult job, and it's a, it's a job that's impossible to please all the people um, all of the time. Um, so that in, extent, that in itself is obviously ex- extremely difficult. But you get a hell of a big team around you, don't you? You've got a big cabinet. All these people helping you out. Um, you know, somebody looks after culture and sport and somebody else does education and somebody does foreign affairs. I mean, oh, what do you do? You pitch up once a week at Prime Minister's Question for half an hour, an hour. And that's about it, really, isn't it? 
I mean, I, th- I suspect there's some prime ministers would argue there's a bit more to it. <laughs> I'm say, kidding. Would, would you would you fancy the job? Could Lord you... no. <laughs> <laughs> just just occasionally dabbling on Twitter in in the political world is enough to put put you off doing that. It's bad enough in football. Um, you know that's incredibly tribal, but um, politics is um, even more tribal. But I, I'm interested in politics. I have been all my life, um, and well, not all my life, but my adult life. And um, but actually going into politics myself is never, 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 no, no ambitions. Some people, uh, I mean, clearly because you are, you particularly on social media, you're, you're quite political. Yeah. Have you ever been asked? Have you, have you ever had anyone approach you and say, Gary, have you thought about we've got a, you know, a little little safe seat here somewhere? No, no, I've never had that. I've, I've asked him obviously political campaigns on, on yeah. numerous occasions, but um, no, I haven't. <laughs> and, if, and if they did, you, you don't fancy it. No, I'd, I'd have to form a new party. Oh, right, well, that's called, a good, yeah, centre forward party. Centre forward, it's very yeah, good. There you go. Oh, so you have thought about this? You've got. I bet you. No, it was actually. You've, you've, got, you've got the logo that, ready to go. A friend of mine that tried to push me into politics, and we're going to start a new party. You're going to lead it, and it's going to. It, it, it was in jest. I listened to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And in terms of. um when you're when you're sort of being critical, I mean, you know, there'd be lots of being critical of recently, whether it's Ben, which is soon at Liz, Charles, Boris Johnson. Is there ever part of you that thinks, oh, it's a tough job? You know, it's an impossible job. Oh, no, it's a tough job. There's no question about that. And obviously, you know, you've got to manage the budget and things like this, and everybody wants a slice of the pie. It must be incredibly difficult. Um, and they've made it look incredibly difficult over the last <laughs> the, the recent months. <laughs> And what about when you are when you are being political? Because um, you know we've all got a view on politics because we all yeah you know, we all get to vote. But then people tell you stick to the football, Gary. Yeah, what, you know whether whether it's you talking about politics yeah. in the UK or going to Qatar, or whatever. Yeah, it's invariably you know from a plumber or a taxi driver or an insurance broker or someone in the city who tweets about politics all the time. But I think the, the stick to football thing only comes when they disagree with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's an absurd thing, but um, no, I'm unlike anyone else. I'm interested in politics, so if I give my views occasionally, um, and, and and I enjoy politics. I mean, young, I've got podcast business now. We've got the probably the yeah. biggest political podcast in the country, and the rest is politics, which is which is uh, of great joy and and pleasure. And we try to get people, you know, agree and disagree agreeably and stuff like that, which I think is something that we. We could all try and do it. It seems to get so tribal and aggressive nowadays yeah. and divisive, which is which is a great shame. You can enjoy politics without taking umbrage over everything. Do you think we'd get better politicians if they were better paid? If they were paid like footballers are these days? Well, it's, it's a funny one. I mean, you probably never get that through Parliament, but I, I, I've always thought it's such an important job that I've always thought that if we could kind of tempt the really brilliant minds in the country into the roles um, rather than perhaps people that are already self-made or their, you know, their family's fortune or or they're just, you know, not all of them, but obviously some come through the ranks. But I don't think we really, really entice um, the great minds in the country and, and probably a bigger salary would, but I don't think you'd ever get that by, get that through. <laughs> they'd probably vote for it themselves. Well, there's just this weird thing with, you know, as a country, we moan about politicians, they're rubbish, and they're, you know, why are they better? And then we we, we treat them really badly, you know, we, you know, yeah. in terms of the abuse they get online, the sort of the nitpicking, the double standards and all that sort of stuff. It's a wonder that, you know, the, the cost-benefit ratio of the money versus yeah. the miserable time you get. I'd absolutely concur. Um, and, I, and I suppose, you know, politicians affect people's lives all the time. And, and in a way, it's 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 not similar, but it's, it, it's not as... Um, 
is not as strong in football. But you know, footballers get you know you have a bad game. You, yeah. you, I, I, you, I wouldn't dare go online if I if, if social media around when when I played. I'd only I'd do what I did when I played, which is like I'm on a Monday morning. I get I buy all the newspapers if I'd scored a couple at the weekend. Um, and buy none of them at all if I had a stinker. <laughs> um, and I think I'd do the same with social media. But I think, you know, sports people, certainly footballers, because the fans care so much about it, that they can be very abusive towards their yeah, own. Yeah. And, and certainly those of other clubs, as, as we've seen, um, in the same way that perhaps politicians are. Yeah, they, they definitely seem to get it in the in the same way. Yeah. Uh, and what about um, your current... Um, how are things at the BBC... And you're tweeting. Have you been ticked off about that lately? The new chairman seems to be cross about I've it. Been, I think I've been very good boy. I think oh, that's been, good. Yes, from yeah. Thank you. My, my end of year report was, was, was okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, Gary, it's really good to speak to you. Thank Not you so right. much for, for making the case of professional yes. footballers. And it's a strong case, Matt. That was Gary Lineker talking about how easy or otherwise it is uh, to be a footballer. But what about being a farmer or a chef? Well, luckily, we've got two people who know only two, well, what we're talking about. We've got a chef. Uh, we've got uh, the chef off this morning as well, and cookbook author, Cloder McKenna, who joins us. Hi, Cloder. Good morning. How are you? I'm very good. Nice to have you with us. And he went from being on Emmerdale Farm, I know it's not called Emmerdale Farm anymore, but on Emmerdale Farm to actually now having his own farm, Kelvin Fletcher. Afternoon, Kelvin. Afternoon, how are you? Really good, really good to have you with us. So, uh, let's start with you then, Cloder. Because you've seen yeah. your... Hang on a minute, hang on, I can see you both on Zoom. When we're talking about who's got the toughest job, Cloder's sitting in the sunshine, looks like she's <laughs> on holiday. Kelvin's got his dungarees on, he's in the shed, he's working hard. So, uh, let's start with Cloder then, because she's relaxing nicely. Cloder, tell us <laughs> uh, your hardest job being a <laughs> chef. How hard is it being a chef? Well, I started off trading as a chef 22 years ago, when I, or 24 years ago, when I was 23 years old. The days would start at about 7 in the morning and finish at 1 at night, um, or 1 in the morning. You'd get home, get into bed, get up again, work six, sometimes seven days a week. And the hardest thing, is, I mean, there's so many difficult things about hard things about it. One is that you can't miss a day. It's not like you can call in sick. And the head chef runs out to the table and says, so sorry, your sauce is not coming with your fish today because the chef is it. Um, the endurance there, you've got to really learn to work fast, to have a great work ethic very, 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 very quickly because everything is so timed. So when you get in the morning, your prep has to be done at a certain point. So then you can go on to actually make all of this food for like 120 people or, you know, whatever yeah, it is, yeah. the packs of the restaurant that night. And then everything is timed that has to be finished, ready for tasting at six o'clock so that when the guests come in, everything rolls. And then there's the clean down afterwards. There's the, you know, there's the pressure and the stress of a kitchen where nobody is really talking to each other except for <laughs> yes, chef, no chef, let's go chef, this chef. And then I went on to have my own, I had three restaurants in Dublin. Wow. Um, where I had huge teams of chefs that were working underneath me. And it was, it, it, not, there was nothing else in my life for that whole period of time. 
I mean, now it's different. I'm working on television and I'm writing cookery books. But and you're sitting for in the sunshine. 15 years, <laughs> yeah, without any guilt, without any guilt. No, quite right, you've done I your hard so yards. Hard. And <laughs> when I think about it, Shep, you know, you've always got like the Gordon Ramsay thing, but I don't know if you've seen The Bear, the, um, is it on yes. Disney series? It's just so stressful. So There's just so much shouting and throwing of things and yeah. people cutting. The is it really like that? It is really like that. It is. I mean, every kitchen is quite different to how they have, you know, their their ethics and everything in a kitchen. And it's not, you know, when when I was training, it was definitely very, very, very stressful because there is no option. There is no option to, oh, we'll finish this tomorrow. Everything has to be done and finished at a certain time. And every chef out there that works in a restaurant knows that you're only as good as your last meal. So every restaurant... And every chef is judged on their last dish that they put up. So the next day is a brand new day. You're not working on what you did yesterday. You're working on what you've got to do today. And there yeah. is no option to be lax on any day. You just <laughs> can't. It off. You can't like have a day off and say, oh, I'm just having a day off today. Or I'm, I've got to work slower today. Or I'm you know, going to be on the phone for you know, an hour to catch up with some people. There is just no time for yeah. that. And you've also got to get on with people. So that you really rely in a kitchen on a team. And even if you don't like the person that you're working beside, you have to get on with them <laughs> and you've got to work hard at them. Well, particularly you know? if they're starting there with a big knife. Well, I'll tell you what, let's talk about uh, not getting a day off. You can't put anything off, long hours. This is being a farmer as well, isn't it, Kelvin? Well, I mean, I've, I've always heard that chefs, and uh, there's a high pressure just from watching Gordon Ramsay in the kitchen. Of, <laughs> I can only imagine how, how tough it is to work in a kitchen. But I think I want to change my profession. I think just being a parent, certainly a parent of four children, is, is, is the hardest job in the world. Uh, it's coupled that with, with being a, a farmer as well and somewhat as an actor. Yes, I guess I'm a part-time farmer. But what I've come to understand very quickly, me and my wife, is that there's no such thing as a part-time farmer. You know, whether it's our 100 sheep, or, or our pigs, or, or the you know the twelve horses we've got. Ultimately, uh, even us taking this on as as, as amongst other things as a, as a acting, acting careers, it's uh, it never stops. Every single day is a different day. You don't know what to expect. There's an element of you know it's so unpredictable. Very much like acting, I guess. You never know what the market is doing. So therefore, you you've got this livestock that you've you've kind of bred all, all year. You don't know what price you're going to get to it. So it, it's pretty uneasy, but, and it's at times it's very stressful and at times it's very lonely as well. You know, unfortunately, that's a big a lot thing. of farmers. Yeah, there's a big thing in farming, isn't it? You know, loneliness and, and unfortunately suicide and, and actually just working alone, you know, there's accidents and that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, that's that's it. And a lot of time you are on your own. And, uh, you know, that, those, that I'm, I'm out here today on my own where Liz is, is inside with the kids and, um, you know, and, uh, from in the front of the house there with all the children so we try and share it as much as we can but when we're out here together it's a much easier job but yeah it can get a little bit lonely when when you're on the when you're on your own but it's not all negative i have to say you know <laughs> it's gray it's miserable it's cold but i can't speak for everyone but since doing this this farm in this new way of life for us i can't think of anything else i'd want to do it's absolutely life-changing and, and it's hard work it's relentless you never get a day off there's a lot of responsibility with animals you know you've a lot of um a, a lot of things count on you and there's a lot of pressure on your shoulders but i wouldn't change it and i absolutely love it and it's it's changed our lives just one then to both of you because we've been asking this question of what jobs are easier or harder than being prime minister would either of you want to swap what you do to be prime minister do you think your job is harder or easier uh you first of all Clodagh. um I mean, I, I know the answer is no, I would not like to swap my job for being the prime minister. 
I mean, you know, just to iterate what you've been saying as well, there is so much feedback in it. I mean, the reason why I fell in love with chefing is I, I remember the point. I remember exactly the day. I remember having a piece of local fish and putting it up on the plate. And I'd been sent out to forage in the woods that was right beside the restaurant to gather wild garlic. And I made a wild garlic butter. And I was about 26 at the time. And that was my first main course plate I was putting up. And the wild garlic butter was melting over the fish. And then I ran and got the leaf. And I stuck the leaf and a bit of lemon that kind of swooped over like an umbrella over the fish. And I remember putting it up. And the feeling that ran through my body of creating this beautiful place and knowing that it was going to create a moment for somebody out in the restaurant, it, I was addicted. And and that was, that's what drives then. I mean, the yeah, chefs yeah, yeah. get this feeling of creating and making somebody feel good and happy and giving them a moment. And also that the fisherman is happy and that connection with the producers and farmers. And yeah, yeah, farmers yeah. like that we all rely on. I mean, we, we can't live without farmers. Well, um, it gives you the hook. So it gets you through those hard working hours. And Prime Ministers, I think they just get such a hard time all the time. I mean, I just don't, they don't get that where same. they get they don't, that. they don't get to put a smile on someone's face. You've, made, you've definitely made me hungry. What about you, Kelvin? Would you swap what you're doing? I mean, to go from acting and the Strictly dance floor to being a farmer, would you swap what you're doing now to being Prime Minister? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I think I'd do a better job. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it, it is, I guess it's a very demanding job and, 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 and you, there's a lot of critique, but um, I wouldn't swap it uh, for the world, no. It's... Uh, I think what we do as a family is uh, is be together and uh, we try and spend every single day uh, as some sort of adventure. And this is what farming represents. I guess acting represents that as well. But it's the unknown yeah. and it's something that we've learned to embrace, really. And uh, so, no, I, I definitely, I think for me at the minute, um, being a prime minister is, is not on my radar. <laughs> <laughs> give it stick, time, Calvin. To what I think I'm good at. <laughs> yeah, give it time, give it time. Listen, it's been lovely to speak to you both. Uh, thank you for sharing uh, and being so enthusiastic about what you do. That's what's been so lovely. And if you like that sort of thing, you're going to love my Times Radio show weekdays from 10. I'm back in January. But for now, for me, Matt Cholly, it's goodbye. <laughs>